1: Welcome to the Action Network podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Glass-Jean, and this is your UFC 280 pay-per-view betting special edition presented by FanDuel. I'm your host, joined by Action Network senior writer, Sean Zarrillo, former MMA fighter, MMA analyst, Billy Ward, our usual crew throughout the UFC season. We will be breaking down the biggest fights of UFC 280 and also dishing out our best bets. It all goes down this weekend In the UAE at Etihad Arena, it's UFC's 17th visit to Abu Dhabi. The blockbuster event gets underway with the prelims at 10 a.m. Eastern, made card at 2 Eastern, all on pay-per-view. The weigh-in is sponsored by our friends at the FanDuel Sportsbook. And quickly, I'd like to take a second to highlight an awesome feature called quick slip now available for FanDuel users in the action app. If you have an account at FanDuel, you can click on any bet in the action app. It'll take you right to the FanDuel app with that bet preloaded. No more having to switch apps, log in, find the market and bet what you want. Now by placing your wager, it's only one step and then takes two seconds. Give it a shot. I promise you won't want to bet any other way from now on. Again, This feature is only available for action users. Try it right after the show and see the magic happen, baby. Of course, all UFC 280 picks available, the data, as well as the analysis of the picks available in the award-winning action app. Okay, housekeeping's over. Let's dive right in, starting with the two title fights. Charles Oliveira, he is a slight dog to Islam Makachev. He is at minus 174, currently on the FanDuel Sportsbook for the lightweight title, Both were the first guys to scale at the weigh-in, so that's much anticipated, of course. And both fighters come in on double-digit winning streaks, legacies, history on the line, Zarillo. How are you going to pick apart this main event and bet it?
2: Yeah, this is a tremendous fight, but an incredibly difficult betting fight. One of the more difficult main events I've had to break down. I actually feel pretty similarly about the other title fight on this card. Also a very difficult betting fight. I probably would have liked Charles if the price was still around that plus 200 number where it was a couple of months ago. It has moved in all the way from about plus 210 down to about plus 140, plus 160, depending on where you look around the market. And with that, his inside the distance odds have also shifted from about 225 down to about plus 180. If you can give me a plus 200 or better on Oliver inside the distance, that is certainly my favorite way to bet. This fight would have been leading his way And leaning to the under initially, just as the prices have moved in, I've become less inclined to bet those. But Oliveira is an action fighter. Not only is he one of the best and the most exciting fighters on the roster, he's also one of the best action fighters. Essentially, 90% of his career fights have ended inside the distance. He's on an 11-fight winning streak. All 11 of those could have easily been finishes. Ten of them actually did. So Oliveira is just a king of violence. I think Makachev has a path where he can hold him down, control him for the majority of the fight, potentially hit him with some ground and pound and finish him. But I would say more of the finish equity, certainly on the Oliveira side, more of the decision equity, minute-winning equity on the Makachev side. You you get
1: the sense, Billy, based on the hype coming into the event, that Oliveira has an unbelievable opportunity to take the sport, take the event by, uh, by center stage here. He's got a great opportunity.
3: Yeah, you know, I think there's a very reasonable case to be made for Oliveira as the best lightweight of all time, if he's able to get through Islam here, which, you know, I don't know how much that matters, but people can debate that. But from a betting standpoint, I'm mostly with Sean. You know, I took Oliveira earlier in the week at plus 160, as Sean pointed out. You know, a month or so ago, you could get almost plus 200 in certain places. So, you know, I still like him at plus 142 or whatever we're seeing him at as as you're listening to this. But I do think the inside the distance line is better as that money line odds drop on Oliveira. And, you know, the way I'm breaking this one down, I, I like to look at the three aspects of fighting, which is striking the jujitsu once it's on the ground and then who can control when it gets there. And I don't think anyone would make a case that Makachev would beat Oliveira in a straight up kickboxing match. And I honestly think Oliveira is the better jujitsu guy. So if he can win two out of those three realms, it doesn't really matter if Islam takes him down or if Islam uses wrestling to keep it standing. So, you know, I, I see the angle of Islam smothering him for 25 minutes. I think that's really hard to do and not get submitted throughout that whole time. So I would truthfully bet Oliveira down to about plus 120. At the same time, when the inside the distance odds are so much better and that's the overwhelmingly likely way that he gets the win, I think we just take the inside the distance line with where it's at now.
1: Let's shift gears now to the bantamweight title, the other championship fight. Aljamain Sterling, who is very outspoken, he's the favorite at minus 178 over on FanDuel, faces the former division king in TJ Dillashaw. So once again, similar to the first main event that we discussed, there's some legitimate heat here. There's some legitimate hatred here, some true rivalry uh, components to this fight billy the funk master himself said on weigh-in day i am going to be a hard guy to beat so neither one of them is shy to be outspoken how do you pick apart this fight from a betting standpoint
3: yeah you know i agree with the funk master i think he is tough to beat it, it's interesting because if this was prime tj dillashaw when he was you know two-time champion challenge for the flyweight title fight i would pretty heavily favor tj here but now after you know He's basically had one fight in the last four years. It was a split decision when wasn't, you know, really clearly him over Cody Sandhagen. I, I it's really hard to say that this is prime TJ Dillashaw or that prime DJ Dillashaw wasn't partially because of the PEDs. So given you know the situation we're at now where he's one fight in four years didn't look great on the older side, given up reach to Sterling. I really think Sterling's the sharper side of this one. You know, we've seen the line move actually. A little bit in that direction. I would still take the minus 175. I liked it a lot better, minus 150, minus 160. But just given their recent form, it's really hard to see. It's really hard to bet on TJ expecting the TJ we had five, six years ago.
1: Yeah, Zarillo, based on Billy's analysis there, you get the sense that that number on Sterling is only going to grow. So... If you don't get the number you like at a shorter number like a minus 150 right now, as we said, he's at minus 178 on the FanDuel Sportsbook. How can you still get a sterling angle and support him in a bet and get a better number?
2: Yeah, I too would want to wait for a number closer to minus 165 before playing Aljo. Another way to bet him potentially his decision prop. I do see this being close and competitive and likely going the full 25 minutes. At FanDuel, though, they do have a plus 500 on Sterling by submission. One thing he's tremendous at is taking the back of his opponents, getting that backpack position, and potentially choking them out from there, as he did fairly quickly with Corey Sanhagen. TJ Dillashaw, a difficult guy to submit. And like Billy said, if TJ was in his prime, I might even favor TJ in this matchup. But at this stage of their respective careers, Aljo, the more athletic fighter, faster, has a four-inch reach advantage too, and he's going to keep that pressure up and keep TJ on the back foot and stay in his face. Dillashaw, a a much more effective hammer than he is a nail. So I see Aljo being the funk master in this fight, mixing in the striking and the wrestling. I think he's going to pose some problems for a lesser athlete and a smaller fighter. So give me Aljo at minus 160 or better. That submission prop at five to one certainly interests me as well, but I would say by decision is probably how he gets it done.
1: Okay, so don't get sucked in by the resume, folks, on Dillashaw. These guys are on Sterling, and like we said, he's got confidence. He's been outspoken here coming in, but there's some legitimate hatred between these two guys. Should be fun, both main events uh, this weekend in Abu Dhabi. Let's shift gears to grind and find. Let's talk our favorite underdogs of the night. Zerillo, where are you looking here? Prelims, main card, what stands out?
2: Yeah, tough for me to find underdogs on this card that I like a lot. I actually am siding with more of the favorites and may parlay a few of them together. But one underdog who I do like, and especially at her decision price of plus 260, Caitlin Chikagian. She did miss weight by a pound and a half on Friday, the only fighter to miss weight. But she is a decision machine throughout her career. 15 and 2 when her fights go to the scorecards. 15 of her 18 wins by decision. She's a good defensive grappler, good at keeping her fights on the feet. And she has a three-inch reach advantage against Minon Fioro, who is a very talented prospect. But in a striker versus striker fight in a big cage, with Jukagin's footwork, her experience, I think she can certainly keep this fight close and competitive as long as she keeps it standing. So I made her prop line for a decision about plus 230. I like it at plus 260. You could also take a look at her money line as well. I just think there's more value in her decision prop.
1: She was outspoken in media availability at the event in Abu Dhabi. that She's well aware that... She's a checkpoint for other fighters, meaning they come in, they see Chikagian on the card. We've got to get through her to take the next step forward to make a title run. So sounds as if she's not ready to mess around and she's got an opportunity for a five fight win streak if she handles her business on Saturday. Billy, when you look at the underdog prices, what jumps out to you?
3: Yeah, real quick on Sean's, I just wanted to point out I've done a ton of research. I know other people have. There's pretty much nothing to suggest that fighters who miss weight either have an advantage or a disadvantage. People always want to argue over that. They win at about the rate that the market suggests they will. So just throwing that out there for everyone. Some people get worried about a fighter that misses weight. Some people think it's an advantage because they're bigger. It really doesn't matter, guys. So I just wanted that that public knowledge here on the podcast. Good stuff. But but yeah, I'm looking at Benil Dariush. He's plus 162 versus Mateus Gamrot, or was this morning. It might have moved a little bit. But this is really just a – I guess I'm just playing the markets more so than the name here. Gamrot, his last fight was a really close decision over Armin Sarukian. I thought Sarukian won that fight, and I was holding a Gamrot ticket. And what would this line be if, you know, one or two of those judges had disagreed on that one? I think we'd see Benil Dariush as a favorite. You know, he's been really disrespected by this line for a guy who's on an awesome win streak. And it's just one of those things that, you know, everyone looks up the record and sees that last win from Gamrat, But had that gone the other way, and it very well could have, then this is Darius is an easily favorite. The other big point, you know, Gamrat lost the first two rounds and then won three through five against Sarakian. This is only a three-round fight. I think that's probably, I don't want to say it favors Darius, but it's not something we have to worry about, which is definitely a, a check to the
1: underdog side here. All right, very good. Let's shift gears now to our favorite fight of the night. If you're a fan of the podcast throughout the season, we always let Sean and Billy highlight a fight that they find interesting outside of the main event. So you guys are looking to Sean Brady and Bilal Muhammad. Muhammad's number on the money line is uh, moving a bit further away uh, from zero on the plus side. He's at plus 120 now on the FanDuel Sportsbook, and Brady is still the favorite at minus 148. Not much changing there. Zarello, why this fight? Why this one? uh, Do you see a significant edge on the number? Do you think there's an edge in in terms of the individual fighters here? Why this fight? And what's the pick?
2: Yeah, don't want this one to get lost relative to the fights on the main card. It is the featured prelim. I'm sure a lot of people will see it. But this fight could easily headline a fight night main event, specifically at the Apex. And I don't think anybody would bet an eye. Bala Muhammad does not have a lot of fans. I think he's generally underrated by the betting markets. Get him at dog money a lot. And he typically comes through and at worst will fight for your money. I view him as the better striker here. Grady is the better grappler, better jujitsu player, better wrestler. But certainly think Bilal can make this close and competitive anywhere. 16-2 and on the scorecards for his career. May not have a fan-friendly style, but certainly has a judge-friendly style. 16 of his 21 wins by decision as well. So Bilal by decision at around plus 170 or better. His money line price at around plus 120. I think both of those are fine bets. Fine underdog plays at plus money in what are probably coin flip spots.
1: How about you, Billy? Why this fight between Brady and Muhammad? What jumps out to you, and how do you want to bet it?
2: Well, on a personal level, why for me? I actually
3: fought on a Bilal Muhammad undercard in Indiana a few years back, and I had a lot of runs run-ins with the Henzo Gracie Philly guys. So this this one, I feel like I know a little bit about both sides. Intel. I know, which makes it fun. Of course, this was many years ago, so a lot of things have changed in both camps since then. But, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much in lockstep with Sean here. The one thing I disagree, I don't know that Brady is necessarily the better pure wrestler. He's the better MMA grappler. I think Muhammad can probably pick up some takedowns here. I don't know if Muhammad will like what happens once he does, but I think he'll be able to get those takedowns. But this is a pretty br- binary fight. You know, I have a really hard time seeing Bilal finishing this one. So when you can get him by decision at plus 150, plus 155, that range, you know, I'm happy just riding with that ticket. But you can also go ahead and hedge it at Brady inside the distance at plus 280. You know, Muhammad is the definition of a minute winner. Judges love him. So you got that going for him. And then Brady's got pretty heavy hands and he's probably the better submission artist once it gets to the ground. So that one feels like a pretty safe way to kind of lock in some profit either way. Again, I'm happy riding out just the Muhammad ticket, but if you wanted to feel a little bit safer
1: about it, throw half a unit on the Brady side, and we're good to go. Billy will have his own podcast to discuss his times in Indiana on a, uh, on a different day, so if you'd like more info on that, uh, slide into his D. I'm just joking. Don't, don't do that. Billy, Billy will not tell you. Or maybe he will, um, but that's for a different day, isn't it? Let's move on. Victory Predictory, our favorite prop plays for UFC 280 in Abu Dhabi. Zarillo, I know this takes, I mean, talk about finding difficulty, or there is difficulty in finding an edge in the underdog camp. A lot of digging required to find an edge in the prop market. What'd you find?
2: Piotr Jan to win by knockout or submission, the double chance prop plus 320 at FanDuel. This price around the market for his knockout submission prop finish props. Closer to plus 250, I made it around plus 175. So I think there's a pretty big projection edge here. I have a finish as about half of his win condition. I would say the betting markets have it closer, probably to 30 to 40% of his wing condition. If he has success on Sean McNally, I expect him to have opportunities to find a finish. I really like him on the money line as well. The price has moved back down to minus 250. It was closer to minus 400 at one point. And I said, if it got closer to minus 200 again, I would have a big bet on him. I'm probably going to throw him in some parlays. I think the best way to bet him is likely live after round one. He tends to lose the first round, makes his reads, and then he ramps up his pressure. O'Malley has definitely struggled with pressure fighters who get inside of his range. He does have a length and a height advantage here. But once Jan starts breaking him down in the second and third rounds, I think he's going to have a ton of success. I think if he grapples, he can have some success too. That submission prop at around round plus, Two thousand is definitely live to me, but I'll just go ahead and take his inside the distance prop at around plus three twenty. Definitely like that down to about plus two twenty five.
1: I like it. I mean, the title fights deserve a lot of attention, rightfully so, because of the height, the history, as we laid out earlier in the show. But John Anik said this. John Anik of UFC, of course, he mentioned how there's like a mini bantamweight tournament inside this this betting card and. Something he said about Jan, he's almost taking on an underdog mentality this weekend, taking on O'Malley, and Jan realizes if he takes him down and handles his business, uh, there's potential for a bigger stage down the road to get to the next level. So I think Jan, despite the big number as a favorite on the money line, O'Malley at plus 200 on FanDuel, Jan is approaching this the right way if indeed you want to have him in a money line parlay or as Zarillo just did. Take him by KO, TKO, or by submission. Billy, how about a prop from you? Yeah, I love the uh, live angle on Jan, by the way. That's definitely how I would play that one.
3: But uh, I'm looking at Muhammad Mokayev by decision, and he's just a massive favorite here. Like, there's no value in betting his money line. I think it opened in the 700s and is now over 1,000, 1,500 on FanDuel, which is just ridiculous. Anything can happen in an MMA fight. But people, I think, wrongfully assume that because a guy is that much better, that necessarily means he's going to get a finish. Mokayev picked up 12 takedowns, totally dominated Charles Johnson in his last fight, and it went all 15 minutes. You know, he kind of stunned Cody Durden with a punch and then guillotined him in their first fight. I don't think that's really his game plan. I don't know if that's what he's going to come out here and try to do. And it's also a flyweight fight. So, you know, we obviously don't see as much finishes in the lower weight classes as we do in the heavier ones. So plus 270 by decision just seems weirdly long to me, given the overall money line odds. I understand, and I think he probably will put him away late. But it's not all that shocking with that kind of number to see that. Does he ride him out for 15 minutes? You know, is that is it a tough enough bout or does he put up enough resistance or does he play it safe enough and want to show what he can do against Malcolm Gordon? I think those are all possibilities. And when we're getting almost, you know, plus 300 money, I think that's worth taking.
1: Yeah, Makayev is uh, he's excited. He had a sit down the other day and it's his 10th appearance in Abu Dhabi. He had spoke about abu dhabi when he was competing in london and they were basically like yeah man you gotta do your thing here in london to make it an appropriate case to move forward and the results have spoken he's handled his thing and here he is so we'll see how it goes all right before we wrap up the show let's get our absolute favorite best bets for ufc 280 going down in abu dhabi on saturday morning the prelims start in the morning 2 p.m. Eastern start for the main card. We'll start with Billy and then go to Zerillo. Yeah, I'm looking at Gadzi, Omar Gadziev. He's fighting Abu Akbar and Magomedov,
3: which I think is like a cousin or something of Habib and all them. I can't totally keep the family tree straight at this point. But Madoff is just being overvalued because of his last name and because of that association. He was 1-1-1 in the PFL before being picked up by the UFC. Not super impressive, wasn't fighting the toughest guys. Comes to the UFC, now he's 1-1. You know, he is not some world beater just because his last name is Madoff. Godziev, he lost his UFC debut, but that was to Kyle Bahio, who we see fighting on this card. I think Kyle Bahio is like a future and probably not too far into the future title contender, so I don't think there's any shame in that. And even that loss, Godziev was kind of starting to turn it on when they had the illegal strike from Caio, which then was a technical decision, which in a lot of worlds would have been a disqualification win for Godziev. And we'd probably be looking at this entirely differently if he had a DQ win instead of a technical decision loss. So just based on the overvaluing of the name here, I'm going to take Gadziev at plus 140 or so. I'd play it down to about plus 120. I
1: make this one about a pick but obviously want a little bit of edge on that. All right. Good stuff. A plus money best bet. Love to see it. Zarillo. Your best bet for UFC 280.
2: Yeah, Billy with the plus money. I'm giving a heavily juiced best bet. I normally don't lay chalk on a lot of these money lines.
1: You don't, which is that's good to mention because I was going to mention that before you said that. I was like, oh, Zarello going to a, a big favorite here.
2: <laughs> yeah, Carol Hosa the first fight of the night around minus 350 on the money line. I made her closer to minus 420. I like her up to about minus 375. I think she should have Lena Landsberg covered everywhere in this matchup. She's eight years younger Actually has more fight experience on her resume. Big advantage in the striking volume. View her is the better grappler too. I think this is a retirement fight for Landsberg. Hosa has recovered everywhere. Probably cardio down the stretch too. I think Landsberg potentially survives to a decision. If you bet Hosa by decision, I made that line around minus 130. You can get it around minus 115. I don't think that's a bad bet, but I also think a round two, round three finish is potentially live as well. So Maybe those lay props for Hosa, but I would just go ahead, lay the juicy price on her money line. I think she may end up looking minus 900 by the time this fight's over.
1: Gents, excellent stuff. Let's see the picks now, and we will recap for you before we say goodbye. So, Sean Zarillo's picks on the left. He likes Sterling by decision. Chikagian win by decision. Bilal by decision. Yan by KO, TKP or TKO or submission. And then likes Rosa as a best bet. On the money line, Billy's on Oliveira money line, Sterling money line, uh, Darush money line, Muhammad decision, Makayev decision, and Omar Gajiev on the money line as well. Gentlemen, that's going to do it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Good luck this week, and we'll see you next time on the Action Network podcast.